So my name is Suzanne and I'm going to do the introduction for Carol. And it's like my deepest pleasure to be able to introduce Carol. Carol has an amazing program. She's very on target with the way she speaks. I think you'll all really enjoy her story. And it's with my pleasure to introduce Carol. Here you go, Carol. Okay, I was waiting. I thought someone was gonna mute me. Hey, thank you, Suzanne. I'm uh, so grateful to be here and to be a part of this fellowship. And you know, I've been looking at all the faces and all the people for the last day and a half, and it's like I'm 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 wishing you all love and wishing you all prayers and wishing you all, you know, just the amazing recovery that can happen here in these rooms and. Um, I'm going to start with prayer. God, please uh, bless us with your presence. Help me to share a message of depth and weight and to just share how super grateful I am for what you have done for me and for countless others whose lives you've touched. Thank you, God. You know, I suffered. Uh, thank you for all the speakers who have been here already. It's just so great to hear everybody's story. And I really resonated with the last speaker who said that many of us come here after suffering suffering, suffering. And my story is no different. I suffered uh, the compulsive overeating, bulimic horror um, that um, was my life for so many years. Um, I suffered from compulsive overeating, insanity, and bulimia for 27 years, well, a total of 37 years. Um, and I am one of those people who thought there was no hope and who just wondered if I would ever get it. And I'm sure whoever probably was looking on the outside also wondered if I would ever get it in many respects. And so um, I did get it. And I'm just like super, super grateful. I always will be super grateful because I've been restored and rescued and um, recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body that was my life. I could not not think of food. I could not not eat. I could not not binge and I could not not purge. And uh, for 27 of those years, I did it in absolute secret. I never shared my struggle with a soul. And to live like that in secret and shame is just crazy. But I did whatever I had to do whatever I had to do to keep it a secret because I did not want anybody to know and you know you can't really get help if you're keeping a secret and you don't want to share and you don't want anyone to know because no one knows and um, there are a couple of reasons why I wanted to keep it a secret like that one is my mom suffered from compulsive overeating she was obese and, and I saw how she lived her life in an unrecovered state I saw how people treated her and she also became a bulimic and I saw what that looked like as well. And, you know, I just, I was judgmental. I didn't understand. I, I didn't understand. And um, so whatever judgment and, uh, and, and, and disdain I had for the way that she lived her life, I, I also carried upon myself. I also think that I came from the womb of a woman who was a compulsive overeater and bulimic and um, didn't have the spiritual solution. So I think that, you know, that, that, that I was born uh, as a compulsive overeater, needing a solution, needing something greater than myself to really fix what was broken inside of me. And so um, 
super grateful when I finally came crawling into the rooms on my knees. I, I came into the rooms in 2000 and um, searched. I really, you know, at first I wasn't going to tell anybody, but through a series of events, I finally fessed up that I was a blame it to uh, a counselor that I, that I, that I knew only uh, as a result of great pain. Um, and I just, you know, I thought there were some things in my life that weren't going to change if I didn't tell the truth. So I was willing to tell the truth to one human being and it was this counselor. And I told her, Oh my God, I'm a bulimic. I've been throwing up for 27 years and, um, and I can't keep the secret anymore. And she just looked, turned around and looked at me and opened her arms. And that was the beginning for me. And for any of you who are still maybe keeping secrets or struggling with that type of darkness, I just want to offer you love and support and hope that you're not alone, that many of us have struggled and suffered like that. I am one of them. And when I finally told the truth about what was really going on in me, that I couldn't stop eating and I couldn't stop, stop throwing up, um, I felt like I was just stripped naked and so vulnerable. I had been hiding for so long behind these masks of pretense. And to open up and let someone see the real me for the first time ever in my life, just a glimpse of the real me was so painful. And I felt bare and naked and vulnerable. And you know what? That's exactly what I needed. I needed to be kind of like stripped to the core so I would be Again, to be willing and open to accept a new way of living. And, you know, when you've been in the darkness for a long time, when the light shines in on you, it hurts. And that's what happened for me. But it was a beginning. And, you know, I went to a meeting and um, I was, you know, my higher power had come into my life, even though I didn't know it was a higher power. I did know that, that something had happened in my life. And, um, I had made my rooms, my way to the rooms of recovery. And, you know, one of the very first meetings I was in, I remember I came in a bit late and there was a woman at the table and she was talking about what I was keeping secret. And she was talking about it to a table of a bunch of women. She was talking about compulsively overeating and she was talking about binging and purging. And she was talking about how her life had been restored. So it was like God was giving me a glimpse that it was here in the rooms of recovery that I would find the solution. And I just, I remember my head kind of whoop, like, you know, like, oh my God, someone's telling my deepest, darkest secrets out loud. And so it, 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 it caught me, you know, and I knew that I was in an okay place and that was the beginning. So, you know, I, I searched in the rooms for 10 years looking for a solution. I went to every kind of um, food program, OAFA. I went to church, I went to therapy, I went to, um, I, I went to the library, I went to self-help. I tried, um, I think, every solution, every human solution that there could be. And I have to say that, you know, my higher power is so gracious and so good and so kind and so loving. I really needed those 10 years to kind of gain momentum and gain strength before I was ready to abs absolutely be on my knees, ready to change um, completely. And I began to grow in those 10 years. And, you know, people would look at me and they're like, have you got it yet? And I would be like, 
not yet. <laughs> and, you know, it would be year after year. And like, and I actually began to be friends with the woman who had been talking about compulsive overeating and bulimia. And, you know, she, I felt like finally somebody understood the level, level of depth and weight that that disease has a hold of us. Um, because unless you've been there, you can talk to anybody on the street and you know they don't understand because they haven't been there. And that woman had been there pretty much where I was. And I remember even throughout the, those 10 years, you know, we would meet at meetings and she would say, well, do you get it yet? And I'd be like, no, not yet. And, you know, like year two, she would be yet. And I'd be, no, not yet. And what I mean by yet is I couldn't remain free from compulsive overeating and I couldn't stop binging and purging. I would get a day, I would get two days, I would get a week, I would white knuckle, I would make a food plan. But, you know, by year seven, I would see her in a meeting and I would want to hide from her because I didn't want her to ask me again because I was trying everything I could to, to get it. I mean, everything. And I'm a strong woman and a hard fighter. And, uh, you know, by the 10th year, I remember I, I ran into her and I came face to face with her and she said, yet? And I was like, no, not yet. And I finally was just kind of like resolved to like, no, not yet. Say, say what you want, think what you want, but no, not yet. And um, I remember she looked at me and, and she kind of had this look in her face like, brother, I guess you're never going to get it. But what she said was, I guess it's in God's time. And, you know, I thought about that and I thought, could that really be true? And you know what? It was absolutely true. It was going to be in God's time. And um, anyway, I tried, you know, and I went into the rooms and a lot of, uh, of well-intentioned people told me a lot of good information but it wasn't the solution. And, you know, I remember I had a sponsor one time, she told me I, was, I wasn't grateful enough. And I remember I had another sponsor one time who told me that, you know, I wasn't weighing and measuring my food appropriately, you know, and that I, I, that I didn't try hard enough. And I know they were well-intentioned, but, um, but in, my, in my heart of hearts, I always knew, I don't think that's what it's about. And, but I was willing to try and I tried. I tried, you know, white knuckling my food. I tried committing my food. I tried managing and controlling my food. I tried sitting on my hands after meals so I wouldn't go to the bathroom and throw up. And uh, none of it worked. Um, and finally, you know, I, I had a moment with my higher power and I said, God, you know, I have tried absolutely everything that I can think of. And there had been a woman that I had met in an OE meeting, and, and she said she had the solution. And I remember I rolled my eyes. When she said she had the solution, I rolled my eyes, and I thought, oh, brother, who does she think she is saying she has the solution? And it's so ironic to look back, you know, thinking that, you know, I didn't have it. <laughs> and here I am, rolling my eyes at someone who's offering a solution. And she said, in a gracious and kind way, she said, I'm willing to give it to anyone who wants it. And of course, I didn't want it. And <laughs> thank God that in his grace, he had that woman call me a couple times. And, um, you know, I had to get a, a little bit lower. And I don't know how much lower you can get after 37 years of binging and purging. And I want to tell you, it wasn't a once in a while, polite binging and purging. It was any time, anywhere from 20 times a day, from the time I was 16 to the time I was 53. It was daily, 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 binging, purging, thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, hiding it, cleaning up, 
you know, just that insanity of living in active addiction. And here was this beautiful woman offering me the solution. And a couple of days after she had offered me the solution, excuse me, there's a train in my background if you hear something in the background. I was at work and I was, I had had a week worth of not eating compulsively and binging and purging. And, you know, I thought I was on top of the world. And then I crossed by a vending machine and the vending machine called my name. And uh, it was a vending machine that I had frequented many times at work. And they had like these packages of cookies that you get for a dollar. And I remember I had $2 on me, about two packs of cookies. And before I knew it, I was in at work in the middle of my day, in the bathroom, trying to eat them and then trying to throw it up. And I remember thinking, oh God, I cannot live like this. And you know, for some reason, deep down inside, I think I thought that I could live with it. And it was a moment where I realized I can't, I can't live like this anymore. So I went out to my car at the end of the day and I just put my hands on the steering wheel and I said, God, you know how hard I've tried. You know, I've tried everything. I don't know what else to do. And I heard my kind, loving, higher power say, what about that woman who said she had a solution? Thank God she had called me and given me her number. I called her right there in the car that day. And we, I had a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in my car. She asked me if I had a copy. We picked it up. I opened the cover. She asked me a couple of questions. And it was like the lights from God came on. I opened the book and I went, oh my God, it's been right here all along. And I say that to say, because, you know, when I went to the doctor, when I went to the therapist, when I worked with the sponsors who told me it was about me not trying hard enough or me not being grateful, I always knew it wasn't the solution. And when she told me it was a spiritual solution, and that I had a disease that I couldn't control on my own. And she asked me to open that book. It was like, Ta-da! and I knew, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the solution was right there. And that it had to do with God leading me to that woman who was going to take me to that big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, walk me through the steps. We talked about five minutes about food. She asked me if I knew what my foods were. I said, I did. I did. I knew what my foods were. I was clear. She asked me if I was willing to put them down and to begin a new way of life. For the first time ever, I was willing to get in a way that I had never been before. And I said, yes. And the obsession and the compulsion that had been with me for 37 years was lifted from me that moment. Now, a lot of people think like, oh my God, you got it like that overnight. <laughs> 37 years it took me to get to the moment when God knew it was time and I would be ready. I began to work with that woman and she took me through the big book in a way that I'd never been before with food. And I related, the big book came to life with me as me and that beautiful woman went through the steps, one page at a time, one word at a time, one day at a time. And I began to see the true nature of my compulsive overeating and my bulimia. I had never understood. And that is just, you know, I look at, I have a heart for people who still think that they have control over it. You know, I, I thought I had control over it and that is compulsive overeating insanity. How would, how could you think you had control over it when for 37 years I could not control it. I could not manage it. I could not 
change it. I could not fix it. I could not, I could not, I could not. <laughs> and, you know, um, I just look back, but it is what it is. And you can't see what you can't see. But when we looked in the big book and I was able to see that I, I had the physical allergy, I had the mental obsession. And I also had a spiritual malady. I was restless. I was uncomfortable. I was afraid. I was anxious. I needed a solution. And I had found my solution in compulsive overeating and bulimia, which sounds like such a poor solution. But it was my solution for so many years. It brought me that sense of ease. It brought me that sense of comfort. It brought me when I when I would purge, it brought me that sense of relief. And I would be like, I'm starting over again and over again. And I would throw it all up and I'd be released from all, you know, all of the weight of the world that I was carrying on my own shoulders. And it was represented in the food that I was stuffing down. And when I could get rid of it, it was like I had a clean slate and I could start fresh. And but it was insanity. And anyway, I'd be able to I, I began to be able to diagnose myself. Was I a the real deal, compulsive overeater, was either real deal, hopeless, beyond human aid, um, compulsive overeater and bulimic. And for the very first time, as we went through that step one process, I was like, oh my God, yes, I am. I am, I am, I am. And for the first time, I got to see that it wasn't about me anymore. You know, I had been carrying that shame and that guilt on my shoulders for so many years thinking, it's about me lack of willpower, lack of morals, lack of desire, lack of wanting to do the right thing. It wasn't about that at all. It was that I had no power to do any different. And that for me was such a powerful step one experience. It just, it blew my mind and it gave me a freedom and a release from the way that I had been seeing things and thinking things and carrying things. I've been carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. I've been carrying my disease on my shoulders. And it gave me a freedom that I had never understood or known before. And I understood in a different way my mom's life as well. And it was just amazing. And then, you know, when we went through step one, and I really got a clear understanding that I was without power, I was also able to see the second part of step one is that my life was unmanageable. You know, I never knew that. I was managing it the best I could. I was trying so hard to manage. I was trying so hard to manage everything in my life. But what I've learned is that's just trying to control things that you can't control. And when you're trying to control things that you can't control, you find that you're always restless, irritable, and discontent. And of course, when you're restless, irritable, and discontent, you're always going to think that, that, that a food or a bite is going to it's going to make it better again. And you find yourself in that vicious circle again. And I really began to see that, yes, my life was unmanageable. And I, I couldn't do any better. And I, I, I wanted to. So that was, that was a great thing that I was able to see. I wanted to, but I couldn't. And so it was just such a, a beautiful experience, the step one experience for me. And I was able to go to page 52 in the big book and go through all those bedevilments. minutes. It, if you haven't looked at them, go there. And it's kind of like just a mirror of, for me, a reflection of what my life outside of myself look like, my relationships, my, how are my finances? What are my, am I full of fear? Am I always restless, irritable, and, and dis, dis ease, not at ease? And um, 
you know, how am I doing in life? And when I took a good look at that page uh, 52 and diagnosed my outside circumstances as well, I was like, oh gosh, uh, despite how much I want to be good in relationships, despite how much I want to be good at work or try to go to work, um, despite how, you know, that I want to have good relationships with those around me, I, I was unable to do that. And I was able to see clearly in step one, yes, I'm powerless. My life is unmanageable. And I won't be able to move past step one unless I get to step two, which for me was very profound because I had a relationship with a higher power. So I couldn't understand why I couldn't get free. I had a relationship with my higher power. I loved my higher power. I knew my higher power loved me. My higher power had saved me in many ways from other things. So I knew the love of God. I knew, and I knew I had a relationship with him, but still I didn't have the power. And what I loved about the way that we went through the step processes was it wasn't about understanding God better. It was about understanding that I didn't have the power and I needed access to the power and that there was things blocking me from that power. What what a what a freedom, right? It was no longer about having determined is God good, is God this, is God that. It was just about do I have power on my own? And do I need power? And do I believe that perhaps there is a power greater than me who can solve my problem? And that was just like yes, I believe that. I believe that. And also that I believe that I need to be restored to a level of sanity especially when it comes to compulsive overeating, body image, um, just perceptions of people, places, and things. Do I need to be restored to a level of sanity that I don't have? And yes, I was able to say, yes, yes, yes. I need to be restored to a level of sanity. I need my thinking to be changed. And I believe that I don't have the power to do that because I had a clear understanding of step one. And so for me, it was easy to say, yes, I believe that I don't have that power. Yes, God is everything. I'm not. I get it. And by being able to go through that, and that little story in the end of We Agnostics, where it talks about that guy who just had that spiritual you know, experience. If you guys haven't read it, read it, because it was like he had all these reasons in his head why God wasn't real, why God wouldn't help him. And one day he rolled out of bed and... and um, I just love it because that's kind of what happened to me. He rolled out of bed and he hit his knees and he heard this voice say, and who, do you, who are you to say there's no God? And, you know, it was just like, I kind of love that because it's like that awareness of Carol, who, what I kind of like hear it as, it's like, Carol, who are you to think that you have the power to move mountains? And I guess in some form, I had thought that I had the power to move mountains. But what I realized is that I didn't, that there was a power who did. And so that brought me into step three in a way that I'd never, never gone to step three before. And I was willing to make a decision in that step three that from here after, God was going to be the director of my life and I was going to stop. Now, you know, it's funny because I don't know if you guys are anything like me, but I, for so long I thought it was about the food, right? What do you mean it's about being a, playing a director? <laughs> I didn't understand that, but really that was what was blocking me from God's power was I was too busy playing God in my life and in the lives of others. And when I really got a good diagnosis of, you know, from here on after, I was going to have to quit playing God 
all of a sudden, through God's power and through my great sponsorship and the powerful step process, I was able to see that I had been playing God and it hadn't been working out too well. And that from here on after, I was going to throw up my hands and I was going to say, God, I don't know what you want from me. I don't know where we're going to go with this, but I'm willing to go further. And I'm willing to humbly say, I make a decision that from here on after, from here on after, you're going to be the director, not me. You're going to be the father, not me. You're going to be the parent, not me. You're going to manage and direct my life. And I'm going to turn it all over to you. And I didn't know what that meant exactly, but I was willing to make that decision. And then my sponsor took me into the four step. And, you know, I just was able to pour. I hope that any of you out there who have heard like things about how horrible a four step is, it's not. It is not about shame, fault finding, guilt. It's none of that. It is about getting the stock on our shelves, as the big book refers to it, the stock that has no value anymore. The things in our life that have no value anymore, the way that we've been living, we want to look at it as if it's stock on a shelf. And I, and I was able to do that. I was willing, wanting, and prayerfully able. And I say prayerfully because, you know, my, um, my um, big book lineage sponsorship, we, we don't go into any of this work without prayer. I don't believe we can see what we need to see without prayer. We need God to shine light on, and that could be your higher power in whatever way you understand him at the time, but I couldn't see in my own strength, you know, in my own eyes. I needed God to show me, and so we pray, 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 and, and man, I'm telling you, there's a God who answers prayers when you ask him for help, and so we went into the fourth step, and and I did, it's funny, it's like God has a sense of humor. I, I was like, I'm not, I'm not resentful and I'm not angry. I had done a lot of other 12-step work before this step 12-step work and I had grown a lot and I had thought I had got over all that. But when we got into the fourth step, it was like God cranked up the volume on my annoyance to people, places and things around me. And it was like everything annoyed me. And it was like God was showing me, you think you're not annoyed? Let me show you the truth of how you really are living. And all of a sudden it was like, I didn't care what it was. It was how people talked. It was how they walked. It was how everything annoyed me. And I got to see really underneath what, you know, I was agitated and irritated all the time because people were not doing things the way that I thought they should. And just, you know, that is how I had been controlling the show. I was judgmental. I was critical. I was just like so full of arrogance and kind of like, this show's not going my way, and I'm not happy about it. And uh, so we, you know, we just got to be able to put all that stuff on paper. And you know, I got to list uh, why things bothered me and what I, what was the role I was expecting other people to play in, in, in my life. You know, I was busy assigning roles to people. You know, you should act that way, and you should be that way, and you should love me like that way. And, you know, you always directing and managing other people's lives inside my head. And it caused me to be resentful all the time, every day. And the big book says that resentment is deadly for us. It will kill us faster than anything. And it is, sub, it is a spiritual sickness that will make us go back. And so I saw, I saw that. And I knew that if I didn't get free from all that, that I'd go back because I can't live like that. So we got to just be able to kind of look at everything that was annoying me and aggravating and why it was annoying me and aggravating. 
And then on the other side, I got to see, you know, kind of like how my behavior in all of this, you know, I would control, I would judge, I would be passive aggressive, I would give you the cold shoulder, I would shut you out of my life, I would smile when I when I was in front of your face. And then as soon as, you know, I turned my back on you, I would be thinking nasty thoughts or, 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 or throwing you under the bus somewhere. And so I got to kind of see how I behave out there in the world. And my thinking that allows me to behave like that, you know, like, well, they deserve it. Uh, I, you know, how can they be like that? Um, just kind of this arrogant attitude that I had when it came to other people. And God really just allowed me to see Carol running the show. And it wasn't pretty. And, and you know, I don't say that in judgment or condemnation. I, that was me doing the best I could in my own strength and power. And uh, then we went and we did the fairs inventories. And, um, you know, along every resentment I had, there was a list of just all kinds of fears about what, and, and, and in the big book, it talks about fears, you know, drive the delusions that drive the resentment. And I got to see that. I got to list every fear that I had. And I'm not really talking about the kind, like I'm afraid of spiders or I'm afraid of flying or, you know, that kind of stuff. It was the fears that were like, you know, I'm afraid people won't like me. I'm afraid, I'm afraid if I, if I speak up, people will reject me. I'm afraid if anybody gets to know me or sees the real me, they won't like me. I'm afraid that God won't take care of me. I'm afraid that I'll be unacceptable and unlovable to other people and I'll be alone. I'm afraid that maybe God will fail me and, and leave me and I'll be just, you know, really alone. So I got to see all those fears. And with each fear, I got to see what was under that fear and what was under that fear and what was under that fear. And for me, at the bottom of every fear was the center of all my fears, which was that there really wasn't a God who was going to take care of me. And that blew my mind because I thought I knew God. But here was an agnosticism that was rooted and grounded so deeply inside of me that I had a fear that God wouldn't really be there for me. That was the root of the problem for me. And when I was able to see the root, I didn't have to fix it. I can't fix any of this on my own. I was able to see a problem that I would never be able to fix on my own. And we also did the relationships inventory, and I really got to go through all my relationships and to see how Carol shows up in a relationship. And, you know... Man, I tell you, the biggest miracle about what I saw in Carol doing relationships is I saw that I'm not ever going to have any kind of a healthy relationship without a power greater than myself in it. Because left to my own devices, I'm always going to return to selfishness, self-centeredness, ego, fear, just all the stuff that always gets me caught up. And so the miracle for me was that I saw if I ever wanted to have successful, healthy long relationships, I would have to have something that I didn't possess. And so when I got to see all those parts of the inventory, I was ready. I was ready. My sponsor had walked me through it all. We had walked hand in hand with it. She had helped me. I had seen a lot. And we did the fifth step. And, you know, for me, I always get a little nervous when I do a fifth step. I think it's just a natural inclination. Um, you know, of like letting someone in to see things that you've kind of hidden inside. And um, so I think that's a little natural. And I even still get it after many, many years of doing inventory. And I have the kindest 
sponsorship. So it's just, I just want to share that with anybody who goes into it like that, but I always, so um, I went and did the fifth step with my sponsor and it was freeing. Uh, you know, I just wanted to get it done. I just wanted to get it out, get it done. Talk about all that, you know, I had discovered. She understood. She had been through the process herself before. She understood. And one of the things that I just love about when I sit with my sponsor, she has this look and she goes, I get it. I get it. And, you know, and I know she gets it. And that is so comforting, right? Because when someone gets it, uh, that just makes it okay. And uh, anyway, when we did the fifth step, I got everything out. She asked me if I had any take it to the grave stuff that I wasn't telling. And there really wasn't anything. I shared one secret that I'd never told anybody that wasn't really a big secret, but I thought, why, why even, why not share it with her? And it was funny because she kind of had the exact same experience that, uh, that I kind of had glossed over. So I was clean. I was free. I knew I had told everything that I had gotten down and it was very, it was very easy. It was very good. And, um, and after the fifth step, um, we went into step six and step seven, which all of the steps are just wonderful stepping stones to a pathway to a power greater than ourselves. But step six and step seven to me, um, through the lineage that uh, I'm sponsored through are just so powerful because in step six, I was able to understand that I was going to God with all of my mess, all of Carol running life on Carol's will in my hands. And I was able just to go in step six and say, God, I'm entirely ready to hand this mess over to you and to give it to you with my hands wide open. I've looked at it. I see it. I don't want to hold on to any of it anymore. I want better, I want more, I know there's better, and I know there's more, and I was entirely ready to hand God over Carol running life on Carol's will, and all of it, and, um, and then in step seven, you know, it was just humbly knowing that I can't change it, I, I can't change any of that anymore, and for me, that was so freeing, because, you know, I hear a lot of, uh, talk in the rooms and, and, and all over. And I probably have thought it myself before, but I thought, you know, well, if I'm selfish, I, I'm going to stop being selfish. Or if I'm afraid, I'm going to start being in faith. But for me, I can't do that in human power. I can't do any of that in human power. I can't do anything in human power. I have to turn to God humbly. And I love humility. It's so attractive to me and other people, and especially in my higher power. Um, but in step seven, I was just, it's like, for me, it's like being on my knees in, in humility, knowing that I need you so bad, God, I need you so desperately and so bad that, uh, my life will never change unless you come in and recreate me. And I'll tell you, I don't want a recreation of what Carol would recreate. I want a recreation for my higher power. I want a new attitude. I want a new outlook. I want a new life granted to me from my loving and kind and gracious higher power. And in step seven, I just feel like that was just such, and then we say that beautiful prayer and we put an amen at the end of it. And I know that I've had this wonderful experience with God through steps. Five minutes, Carol. Okay. And so I got to my steps um, eight. I had a list from my inventory. I had a perfect list from my inventory of uh, the harms I had done, specific ones. And I was able to go out and make amends, direct amends to um, those people that I had injured. 
and I was able to tell them that I didn't understand or didn't know back then, but I do know now how I've affected your life in these ways. And I would name the ways. And then I would ask them if there's anything else that they need to tell me about my behavior towards them, my thinking and my actions. And if there's anything that I can do to make it better. Um, and I went out and I wanted to clean it up and I wanted to get free and I wanted to set other people free. Um, so I did all my amends. Uh, I cleaned house, cleaned house, cleaned house, cleaned house. I don't, don't want to live with any of that and I don't have to. And with that power of God um, giving me strength and energy and courage, it, we can go through anything. We can, we can do that work. We can do that work to get free. And, you know, God had put such a desire in me to be willing to go to any lengths instead of going back. And I know that if I don't go forward, willing to do whatever it takes to get clean and sober food-wise, um, I can go back and I don't want to go back. And I always tell my sponsor, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. I do not want to go back. I feel like Dorothy uh, from the Wizard of Oz. I don't want to go. I don't want to go back. I want to, I want to go home. And um, then I would, then in steps 10 and 11 and 12, you know, I'm really 10 for me is I, I, I'm God conscious. Now I'm, I'm able to go through my day, God conscious. I'm able to walk through the day being an agent of God's love, of God's will, not Carol's will anymore. Do I do that well? A lot of times I don't. A lot of times, just like the big book talks about fear, self-will, delusion will crop up. And I'll, and I'll know when I'm off the beam. And what, how it usually shows up for me is either in fear, anxiety, or anger. And I know if I, I look at it like a dashboard, I know that if fear, worry, anger, are popping up on my or anxiety are popping up on my spiritual dashboard i know there's something going on that i need where i need to access god i know there's something in me that's blocking me from believing that god is there for me and that god's going to take care of everything and the good news about that is i can stop not always sometimes i can't sometimes i don't till the end of the day uh, when i do my nightly review but but on good days i can stop i can pause i can pray i can ask i can turn and for me, what turn looks like is I can turn from what's going on to God. And literally, a lot of times I'll turn from the situation that I'm in and I'll literally turn and look up and say, God, I need your help. So many times he comes immediately in the moment. And then there's many times when I have to walk through and persevere uh, and, and learn what God's trying to teach me. And a lot of times it's about, Carol, you're not going to have your way all the time. And um, that's a hard nut to to swallow sometimes, you know, because I oftentimes think I think I know what's best, <laughs> which is so hilarious when I look back on the on the landscape of my life. And um, in step eleven, it's beautiful because at the end of each day, I know the times that that, that my dashboard has lit up. I'm able to go into my evening review and kind of talk to God about those things that kind of that happened in the day. You know, where did I get frightened? Where did I get angry? And why? And a lot of times I'm able to sit quietly with God or just sometimes I'm tired and I'll just talk to him about it and I'm going to sleep. And then there's other times where I'll write it down. But I'm able, I'm able to talk to God about what happened and where I got frightened or blocked off and didn't believe that he was there for me and that he would make it okay. And he would show me the way to get through the difficulties and tro troubles and trials in life, which are inevitable. And, um, I'm able to go to bed and get a good night's rest and wake up in the morning and it says upon awakening and I'm able to wake up and begin the day afresh. 
And I feel like, you know, God just kind of like, and for lack of a better word, you know, when I go at night, he's able to just wash away the sins of the world of the day. You know, it's just the world is messy. Life is messy. And he's able to just kind of like, okay, you did your best. Now, what can we learn and how can we grow? And let's go to bed with a clean slate and wake up in the morning. And it says upon awakening. And I get, I get to wake up to a new day, you know, and a new chance to live life and uh, be of maximum service to God and to my fellows. You know, I spent 37 years in prison. I was unable to be of real service to anyone. I was unable to show up for life. Today, I have been given a gift, just like the prayer says, beyond my wildest dreams. I mean, beyond my wildest dreams. I have found a way of living. I don't think about food. The problem has been removed. I don't think about binging and purging anymore. The problem has been removed. And I have been restored to a level of sanity that I never had before. And um, I, what I often think of is, you know, those 37 years were what it took to get me here. It would have been a tragedy if I didn't find these rooms and the steps of recovery that led me to a higher power beyond my wildest dreams, it would have been an absolute tragedy. But because of these rooms, the steps, and the pathway that they lead us to, to a power greater than ourselves that can do for us what we can't do, um, it's not, it's not a tragedy, it's a miracle. And I wouldn't change, I would never want to go back, but I would never want to change a single step along the way because it brought me to you, and it brought me to freedom, and it brought me to a relationship with the power that is beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you, guys. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, we now have the questions and open sharing portion. All right, how about Cindy? I am Cindy, I'm a compulsive eater. Hi, Cindy. Hi, everybody. Um, it's terrific to be here. I I I'm on the other end of the country from you guys. And um, I love coming to a place where there's about 200 people in a room, and I've never seen any one of your faces, and you're all my family. Um, it's, just, it's just so wonderful that I can, you know, if, if there is no pandemic, I can vacation anywhere in the world and walk into a room full of strangers and know that I'm home. Um, thank you so much, uh, Carol. It was, a, it was a terrific story, and I think, I think that uh, for anybody that is getting frustrated, um, and, and beginning to lose hope, uh, you gave them a really great reason to hang on. Don't leave before the miracle happens. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Okay, Judy, you're unmuted. You can go. Thank you. I got to plug my thing in here. I just wanted to um, tell Carol and everybody how grateful I am. It took me twice as long to get there. Um, I'm going to be 76 years old shortly, and I've been in program since 35. So um, I did a lot of resistance along the way, for sure. And, um, and hearing that it's because I didn't know that I could trust a power greater than myself. Um, I, I would trust, and then I'd say, oh, well, you didn't do that the way I wanted. And you took my husband away five years ago, and I didn't want that. So um, I was, you know, I went through the angry thing, and how could you? How could you do that? 
So um, anyway, in these last five years, I've done leaps and bounds of growing up. Um, it says in, in the step book, we hid, we ate, and we never grew up. So I'm now on my way of growing up, I do believe. I'm in um, New Hampshire here on the other side of the, of the United States. And this is exciting to me to be part of this. I, I, I really didn't believe that I would even sign up and come here. Um, but I, I know about the bulimia. Oh my goodness, I was bulimic for a long time. Stopped, and then when my husband died, I took that up again because I was so scared. Um, but now I understand that I, that was a choice, and I don't need to go there anymore, and I haven't done it for a while, um, and feel pretty darn healthy right now. So with speakers like you, that encourage us to use these steps um, to grow and to, and to know that without a spiritual power in my life, I'm done. So thank you. Thank you very much. Beth, why don't you go ahead? Hi, everybody. I'm Beth C., a compulsive reader from San Diego. Uh, thank you so much. Can you hear me? Yeah. Thank you so much for your share. I've uh, never had bulimia, but I have had exercise bulimia a long time ago. And I loved your story. Uh, a long time ago in another fellowship, my sponsor kept trying to tell me, uh, surrender and admit your powerlessness. And I was like, no, I don't want to be a victim anymore, like I was when I was a child. And I associated being a victim and I didn't like the time and uh, you know so we talked about that and I kept saying I don't want to be powerless I don't want to be powerless and she said you're going to get your power back in step three so finally I, I step one because of that and uh, I liked your story it reminded me of step three I had a 10 year long relapse and um I got out of that. I was I was doing all the tools and working the steps and have sponsor and writing and I couldn't uh, stop compulsively overeating. And uh, finally, I was on my knees one day and said a prayer similar to yours. Uh, you know, God, I give up. If you want me to get absent, you're going to have to do it. I've tried everything. I just can't try any harder. And uh, the message I heard was just let go. And uh, so I did. So I thought I was going to distract myself by thinking about other things, and miraculously, I got abstinent, and I lost 60 more pounds. And uh, so that was, to me, truly a miracle. I definitely believe there's a God since that happened, and that's what I did. I have to do that with a lot of character defects, and uh, for years, all I got out of OA was uh, a lot of weight loss and noticing all my character defects, you know, and for a long time, I felt really bad about myself, and I got all these horrible defects, and I don't notice, you know, the good things about me, and uh, I'm getting to the point sometimes when people are mean, I think it's about them and not about me. I don't take it personal as much, and uh, I'm starting to realize I'm just average. I'm just another bozo on the bus, you know. I'm no better than anybody else. I'm no worse anymore. And uh, 
I liked going to therapy because the therapist told me to go a go to OA, and also a therapist told me you can't treat other people any better or any worse than how you feel about yourself. So I can't be running around being mean to people or yelling at people and saying, you know, I'm in touch with God and I'm in God's will. Our big book talks about being kind and loving to people, and it talks about love and tolerance is our code. And uh, a sponsor, when you know, I was so controlling, used to always tell me, but you're not giving up control. You never had control in the first place. You're just giving up the illusion of control. And uh, I was really depressed a couple weeks ago, really depressed, and I felt like overeating. I didn't, and I feel much better now. They used to tell me, share it or wear it. So I've had several miracles happen recently in my recovery, and uh, I'm really, really glad to be here. And uh, thanks again for your share. I love this fellowship. Bye. Thank you. Hannah, you want to go? Yeah, sure. I'm Hannah, compulsive eater. And thank you very much, Carol, for your talk. I really enjoyed it. And what I got out of it is, which was a big thing that happened to me, I was terrified. I was afraid of my own shadow. And like everybody else, I wouldn't open my mouth until, unless I knew for sure that it was something that was perfect. And I was afraid that it wouldn't be perfect, so I wouldn't say anything. So I didn't say anything for a long time in a way. And slowly but surely, I learned from a sponsor and other people when they talked about things like you that I could do things that I was, be, that I was afraid of, like maybe drive on the freeway, maybe fly and do all those things. And, you know, it's amazing. I mean, I, I opened up, as trustee, I opened up the convention last night. This is something that I would have never been able to do because I was afraid to talk in front of people. And this program has really shown me uh, to live my life. And you were talking about willpower. And I think I had a lot of willpower. I didn't have any want power when it came to the food. And I was 37 too, like you, except I've been in program uh, for over 40 years. So I'm a little older than you are. And it's been a wonderful life. And we go through tragedies. I have, I've also lost my husband. I thought my life was over, but I have the program. Program can get us through almost anything. So I really enjoyed what you said, and I thank you for your talk. Thank you. Okay, that's um, all the time we have for this session. I would like to thank Michelle and Carol again for sharing their experience, strength, and hope today, and all the volunteers that made this session possible. If you haven't already, please be sure to visit the online store to purchase convention-themed project, products, plus the opportunity to make additional donations to Region 2 if you are able to contribute. For anyone who cared to join in, let's conclude the session with a stretch and OA promise. Standing up and reaching out our hands to virtually put my hand in yours. I put my hand in yours and together we can do what we can never do alone. No, lo no longer is there a sense of hopelessness. No, long no longer must we each depend on our own steady willpower. We are all together now reaching our hands for a power and strength greater than ours. And as we join hands, we find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams.